You're listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. So this message today、uh, is sort of a long time coming. I, I've been a little, I've just had a lot of feelings about it. I have thoughts about it. I keep saying, like, I need to preach on this. And、uh, just recently,、uh, we had an encounter.、Um, I don't know if you recall, just not a while back, we had、uh, a couple come,、uh, Chris and、uh, Sarah. Who came to visit us, and I had a great conversation with them. It just made me think a lot about a lot of things and about that sermon I've always been meaning to preach.、Uh, and so I'm doing it today. Today, I want to talk about our understanding of God, disability, and the resurrection. Now, that word disability, I'm going to try and unpack it a bit more as we go forward. But I want to start first with the scriptures. We read from 1 Corinthians、uh, 15 in the scripture reading today. But before we get into that, Just a couple of chapters before, we read about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12, what's going on in the church at Corinth is that there are people in the church who are starting to think that they are a little more important or more, quote, valuable because they're gifted in very interesting and powerful ways. Some of them are gifted with the charisma of teaching and leadership, some are even gifted with amazing gifts like healing.、Um, Supernatural wonders. So, naturally, in the group, you begin to see sort of this、uh, hierarchy of giftings. And what ended up happening was that people were being valued according to what they brought、uh, to the table, if you will. And Paul challenges them all to think about you know, the body of Christ is not built on the hierarchy of your abilities. 1 Corinthians 12 12, it says, Just as a body, the one has many parts, all its Parts form one body, and so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And people were not being just divided according to their giftings, but even from their background, ethnically, religiously. And there began to be these unspoken rules of who is. More important to the community. And that kind of challenged us to think about well, how would that apply to us? You know, the thing that I always joke around with people is like, you know, I know a lot of us don't think about it, but our toes are pretty ugly things, I suppose, to some. And we like to cover them up with、uh, socks. And, but, you know, if we didn't have our toes, the whole body could not stand. We couldn't balance. The whole body will topple, if not for these ugly little toes, right? So it makes us begin to think is like, in fact, these are amazing things. There's no part of our body that is not valuable and valued. Each part, according to Paul, is in fact indispensable. But that needs to、uh, force us to ask the question to ourselves and as a church which parts do we undervalue? Which parts do we deem as, oh, that's the ugly part of the body that no one really cares about? Paul goes further to say, What criteria do we say that this is an honorable part and this is a dishonorable part? And what he means by that is, like, what's the, what's the more showy parts, the, the parts that we love to talk about, that we're always impressed about? What's the dishonorable part? I remember I had this discussion in my seminary in the,、uh, in the lobby. I remember this very distinctly. And I was trying to talk with my seminary colleague about. Uh, 
You know, I think preaching is completely valuable. It's a very valuable gift, and I, I value it, but I don't think the church will rise and fall with preaching. I feel like um, it's just one of the many gifts that need to be happening in the church. My friend, who's very passionate about preaching, he was very indignant at what I said, and he says, I believe a church totally rises and falls with preaching. Preaching is the center of all things at the church. And I, I didn't know what to say, really. I felt like we were in an impasse. But the reason why I disagreed with him was because of 1 Corinthians 12. And to go further, if you read in the chapter, it says this, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body seem, that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are presentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So what Paul is basically saying is that, yes, there are some more forward-facing things in there, and I suppose they get a lot of honor, but we don't need to add the honor to it. I mean, much to my dismay, uh, my face is everywhere on the, on the internet because I'm preaching and that's being recorded all the time. Uh, you, you don't need to give more attention to me. What is more important about JBC is a lot of the things that happen off of camera, the things that are happening behind the scenes to make this church work, the things that we take for granted. And that brings me to think about perhaps there are some people that we look at more in the church and we give them greater attention because we see them more. But what about the parts that we do not see? Is it possible that in our church community that we may value people according to their ability and usefulness? Do we praise those who do good things and... Um, who bring some kind of tangible benefit to our community. I've actually seen this happen sometimes when someone comes in perhaps with a gifting, like we're looking for a certain position in the diaconate. Oh, uh, you're an accountant, great. You know, we just jump on these people like piranhas or something uh, because of their value. Um, oh, you're handy with tools. Like, oh, we'll just totally swim towards that and we need you and great value. I've actually, this is sad, but you know, I've spent over a decade doing young adult college ministry. And I would often have people in the church tell me like, well, why are we pouring so many resources into these students? They don't stick around. They don't have a lot of money or income. They don't really tithe much. What value are they to the community? Why are we putting in so much work to them? I've actually had people say that to me. Could we go further to say like, well, what happens if someone can't come here as regularly due to a health issue? Or perhaps they're scared because of the COVID uh, crisis and they're not present with us. Are they lesser members? Are they lesser people? And what I also want to draw attention to, especially in Asian American churches, is the startling silence about talking about those who are differently abled, those we deem disabled, how few of them are in the Asian American Pacific Islander churches 
and how few spaces there are for them. Why is it that we don't have them more visible or praised or presented more forwardly like Paul has commanded us in the scriptures? Because our worth is not in what we do. It is not in what we produce. It's not what we contribute. Our worth is because we are made in the image of God. All of you here today, regardless of wherever you come from, whatever mistakes you have, we all have this shared honor and dignity of being made in the image of God, deserving to be known and to be loved. Which brings us to wonder, perhaps this term disabled is not a good term to use, but perhaps it's that we are all simply differently abled. And as uh, I was mentioning about Chris and Sarah, I, uh, Chris wrote, Chris is visually impaired, and he wrote, um, he is a seminarian at, um, at Berkeley. And uh, he had uh, written a paper, and he wrote another interesting category, which is talking about perhaps those we consider abled-bodied people. Perhaps the better term is to say that they are temporarily abled. Because if you don't think, if you think about it in our lifetime, are we all fully in control of our faculties for the rest of our lives? Isn't it as uh, we continue to age in years, we lose certain faculties, certain abilities? Even throughout our lives, through injuries, don't we experience a loss of an ability of some kind? And what is the definition of ability? Could it also be about the loss of support networks of relationships. Perhaps there could be more sympathy towards those who are differently abled to understand that we all face issues with ability. But there are certain people that we label as like, oh, they're disabled, they're different. And then we don't bring honor and attention to them. I think the real thing that we need to think about as a church is where does the real disabling come from? I think the real disabling actually comes from the world and the environment that we live in. Is our church a disabling place where people cannot be treated and loved and given resources like everyone else? How have we made our world accessible to just a select few? And it adds the question to think about how do we value access to our church? Do we value people who can be here in person more than those who can't because of a certain reason? I think the story of Jairus and Jesus really challenges us. If you could recall, the story of Jairus is that Jairus uh, uh, sent his messengers to Jesus to come uh, to his house to heal his daughter. And Jesus doesn't go to the house. Um, he just speaks to the messengers and says, okay, it's done. Friends, this is like a a biblical case of remote ministry, right? Jesus basically said it's done. He didn't even go there, and he did the ministry. And it was to show that the presence of God is a lot bigger than just being in person. I'll have more to preach about that in the future. Um, that was something that uh, Barbara Reed uh, just shared with me at an Evergreen meeting once when I was doing a presentation, and I still think about it. And I definitely want to come back to that teaching. But what's being said here? is that how can we make spaces? And at this moment, I just want to highlight and just thank um, the beautiful ministry that we do have, Saturday special. Um, now, obviously, we, we haven't been able to do that for a while because of just uh, safety concerns. 
But I'm so thankful for Lillian, you know, just the work that you're doing in the community um, and just the honor that we were able to give Floyd when he passed uh, earlier uh, this year, well, in this past year. Just such a precious community. And when I visited, I think one of the greatest gifts that we give that community is that we see you, we love you, we accept you, we care for you. And that is the ministry of Christ. To say that you are a part of this body. Maybe in the world, the world says to you, I don't need you. You don't count. But in the community of God, because you are made in the image of God, you matter, you count. Now, I do want, while I am preaching all this, I do want to recognize that we do have Saturday special. Um, for a long time now, an important priority for us when we installed our sound system was that we would have uh, equipment for those who are hearing impaired, that we would have uh, a live sound feed that could help people um, who are struggling with that. And I praise these things. And I want to just challenge JBC to think about if there are those who have access difficulties, what can we do to help them? We have a ways to go. Um, how do we have access to like half of our building? It's actually, we can't because of the way it's set up right now in that uh, a lot of people can't go upstairs. So in terms of programming, how can we make sure that programming is accessible to all people and their abilities? We are on the way, but I think there are so many ways that we can grow. I'm passionate about this because I just want to tell you just a personal story of mine is that during seminary, I had a very powerful experience. I did a ministry immersion experience. And what I did was I lived with a deaf community for about a week and a half. Now, before I go further, I, I wanted to identify, I know some people don't like using the word deaf, but in speaking with my friends in the community and some others, I think it's very varied. I think some people would pr uh, prefer to be called hearing impaired, uh, differently abled. Um, but just thinking of my friends and my experience, um, they don't mind being called deaf. And they call each other deaf and they identify as deaf. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit more in, in this message, but I'll just be saying that for now. And I am open to discussion about how to learn from this. Obviously, with my own biases, uh, being abled as I am, I may not understand everything. There's always a pressure on a pastor, like everything I say has to be correct and thoughtful and articulate, and I try my best, but, you know, I just get it wrong a lot of times, and I'm still learning. And I, I welcome to be taught. But what I learned in this was in this uh, United Methodist Deaf Church that I was with for a year, a week and a half, I saw perhaps the greatest embodiment of God's community ever. I was so profoundly moved by how they welcomed me in and how they ministered to me just by being so loving to each other and loving their community. The work that they did in the church and beyond was truly powerful. I think it forever changed me. And one of the things that was really interesting to me was that um, in the testimonies that were being shared with the community members, a lot of them would talk about how they feel this pressure, you know, because I am deaf, people are praying for me so that I will hear again one day. And they mean well because they see these miracles of Jesus, you know, opening the ears of those who cannot hear. 
But to clarify a couple of things, when Jesus did it, Jesus was doing, yes, miracles of healing ability. And I know that there are many who are hearing impaired would love to be restored in their hearing. And I don't want to speak for everyone because it's complex. What Jesus was doing was to say about the sign of the kingdom to come is that the things that disabled us in this community, well, basically the world that disables us, those things will be lifted in the kingdom of God. So it's not so much talking about the person's disability, but a sign that the disabling world around us will no longer disable us. So the real thing is not about healing. In fact, I found it very interesting that some of my friends were saying, when I die and I go to heaven, I don't want to be hearing in heaven. I, I want to be deaf. I'm not disabled. I have a beautiful language. I have a beautiful community. I just want to be in a world where I'm no longer being disabled by the people around us. And that challenged me to think very deeply about what I understand about healing. Because what healing is really about is that's supposed to be a foretaste of the resurrection. The foretaste of what God desires for our world. That's what the resurrection is. The new kingdom to come. A new reality, a new hope, a new world with God. In Pastor Angeline's children's time, she was talking about, you know, without our glasses, we're kind of just blind and we don't really see what it's all about. But the time of the resurrection is to show us this is what God wants for our world. It's not that God is looking at our inabilities and upset at us, but God is wanting to give us a world of freedom where we are no longer hindered by the brokenness and the selfishness and the oppression and the prejudices of this time. Real healing is to live in a world that no longer disables. To be fully yourself as God created you without the restraints that we constantly face in our everyday. Could JBC be a place where you step in and just see a glimpse of heaven? Now, we're not perfect by any means, but could JBC be a place where you come in and just for a moment you feel like the world is no longer disabling you and that you're welcome to be here whatever your challenge may be, whatever your story may be, that you are loved and you are known. To be who God created you to be without shame. One thing that I have felt very much recently is that a lot of the dialogue that we have between people nowadays is that we are arguing. You are the enemy. And the way that I'm going to win over you is I'm going to just pummel you with shame. Pummel you for thinking what you think. Pummel you for what you've done. Pummel you for just who you are. And if I can just pummel you enough, I will win. And this is not the kingdom of God, friends. The kingdom of God is that you come in and you know that you that God does not count your sins against you. You are forgiven, you are loved, you are known. And who you are is welcome here because of what Jesus Christ has done. Jesus Christ has gone through every, through every barrier and dismantled it through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, has given us hope that we can have a new world, a new reality like this. And to close, I guess I just wanted to share about my own understanding of the resurrection. I actually didn't know many of my grandparents growing up. 
I only knew one grandmother. Uh, my grandfather's passed away when my parents were very young. Uh, as was the case with many uh, Koreans who grew up in that case, uh, there are many Koreans who grew up in that generation after the, the war without parents. And uh, the only, and my other grandmother, we were too poor to visit her uh, in Korea to go as a family. And eventually she passed before we could find time to go there. So I only had one grandmother who was basically everything to me. She, she raised me um, my first five years of life. And so I was very close to her. Probably I would argue maybe more close than most people would associate with their grandmother. Uh, she cared for me in many ways. And I know a lot about faithful and unconditional love through her. And I remember in the final stages of her life, life um, she was attached to a dialysis machine uh, for most of her time. And it was very difficult to see her like that because her identity was someone who was always there to help, always there to offer help. And I remember even in her advanced years, I had to stop her sometimes. Like I remember once she had this, there was this heavy box that needed to be moved and she just needed to ask for help, but she wouldn't do it. And so she was just kicking the box down the hall. And I was like, grandma, don't do that. Like get help. And she just didn't want to admit like she could no longer do these things because she lost that strength and that ability because that was what defined her is that she cared for others, helped others. She had lived with our family for a long time. And I remember I was heartbroken when she told me that she was going to live with my uncle's family um, with my three little cousins because there are three little babies there that needed my grandmother's care. And so uh, I was sad, but I knew that my grandmother, that was her element, helping raise children. And uh, she grew so close to my cousins. And they were, they were very young at the time. I think they were under 10, all three of them. And as as heartbroken as I was when she passed, uh, my little cousins at the time's young children were completely shattered. And something that's really powerful is um, before the funeral, um, they all decided to draw a picture of what they thought heaven looked like. And um, It was, it was very moving for me because I finally got to see the, the pictures that they drew, these little children. And they drew my grandmother in heaven. And it was beautiful. There were trees. Um, there were animals <laughs> running around. And uh, there was my grandmother in the middle of it. And at this time, she was completely in a wheelchair. And she, um, she had all these, she had all these cables um, and just cords and things uh, coming out of her because those were the, the things that connected her to the dialysis machine. And in this picture, I could see my grandmother standing and running, and. Uh, she was, she was throwing off all of these ropes and cables and cords because she was no longer held back by them. And she could 
she could run and dance again in heaven. And I was thinking about, that's, these little girls know heaven better than any of us do. Is what heaven is for us is that it is a place where all those things that constrain us and hold us back, those ropes and cords of shame and disabling and prejudice, those cords of ignorance and injustice, we just throw them off in the resurrection to come. And we live life as God wanted us to live, fully enjoying the creation that God has given us, to be who God created us to be without shame. And friends, this is the challenge that we have as JBC, is that JBC, when Jesus spoke to us, he said that the kingdom is now. And we will not see the fullness like I did in that picture that my cousins drew. But we can bring glimpses of the kingdom right now. Could we make JBC a place where when you come in, we will throw off those restraints of disabling, and we will let people become abled in the kingdom of God? Could we care and truly say that everyone is welcome? Because I'll hold you to it. Sometimes I hear conversations and things that people say to me, and I feel like not everyone is welcome still. I feel like we're still wanting to sit them in the chair and tie them up according to our understanding. What could we be a church? Could we be a church of the resurrection where people come in here and find new life and not feel like they're being crucified again? This is a challenge for all of us Definitely a challenge for myself, but I can't do this on my own. It starts with all of us saying, how do we welcome people into this place? What do we say when someone can't come in? What do we do? And for that, I challenge all of us to think deeply about how we can welcome in Christ's name. Amen.